All right, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining me. We're gonna be wrapping up today's session here. And I'm gonna be doing something a little bit different than most of the presentations that I do. I get a lot of questions that I never end up getting to during the classes. And a lot of them for, are from newer traders, but intermediate traders as well. And they come down to, you know, a lot of the, the different specifics for trading, you know, it might be something like, how do I enter a trade? You know, what is my favorite method? Um, what time frames do I trade on? Um, what are my favorite strategies? Everything and could be, a, you know, anything under the sun. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to open up the room to your questions. And since we have no time limit today, you are free to ask me whatever comes to your mind. I have a list of them that I was sent um, that I haven't gotten to an email. So I'm going to use this opportunity to answer a lot of those as well. So there is a lovely little webinar chat box there that you can send messages to the hosts and panelists. So use that to send me any questions that you might have. Um, a little bit about me, I started trading in uh, the mid-1990s. I started out as a stock trader, uh, focusing mostly on swing trades, some position trades. And over time, um, added a lot of different markets to my repertoire. I started trading futures a lot, which uh, those of you that follow me these days know that that's predominantly what I trade right now. But it doesn't have to do with me thinking that one market is better than another market. It's just that's how my schedule works. So right now, futures work best for me because I can come in and, and trade basically anytime I want to. And um, I started out in the markets where everything was basically just transitioning from uh, the floors to online. So there wasn't much for education out there. I kind of had to develop my own system over the years and style of analysis. And uh, I've used, I've worked um, with Real Money as one of their pro traders, CME Group as one of their educators, uh, CNBC with Mad Money on his uh, off the charts program. And I've been doing this for about 25 years now. And so I see a whole range of traders, everyone from the very beginner, you know, I'm like, I'm just, just opening a trading platform. Oh my gosh, what do I do next? And into those that are looking at, hey, you know what? I'm constantly seeing my positions go further than I was expecting. How do I actually time these pivot points in the market more accurately so that I can hold on to my winning positions longer and of course exit my losing positions earlier. So a couple of questions I have um, here to start with and I'll give you guys plenty of time that you can post as well. Let me just kind of switch on over here do regular copyright fun stuff. And so we're going to dive in. I'm going to pull up some of my charts here that we will take a look at based upon today's markets. So uh, currently I use NinjaTrader as my primary trading platform. And some of the things that you're gonna start to see are, uh, one question is a lot of folks see things like candlestick charts, like what we have up here, but they'll also see a lot of charts that are line charts or different varieties of charts. If we click under the little chart button, you can see a number come up and in different platforms, you have an even greater variety of the types of charting platforms that you can have out there. Um, 
over the years, I, I started out focusing on candlestick charts. And they're great at helping you kind of identify some of the extremes. But in my trading these days, a lot more of it kind of ends up being back on the line charts. So I use these predominantly for reading the market. Um, I don't use a lot of indicators. When I started trading, most platforms didn't have much for indicators built into them in the first place. You would have you know, some of the basics, um, especially like moving averages, but really pretty simple. And now there's like a whole, whole slew of indicators that people can use. And of course, that brings up the question, what, which indicators do you like? You know, which ones work the best at actually timing some of those impulse moves in the market? And that's really the key thing when we're looking at trading is we want to be able to identify the places in the market where we're going to see some of that stronger momentum coming in, you know, where we're able to keep our stops relatively tight, have that greater um, kind of a hold on what our risk is going to be, where the follow through and the momentum is going to pick up very quickly once we get into a trade. And a lot of that comes down to, first of all, understanding trends development, um, looking at different things like wave count. And I know that <laughs> that's both really simple and really complicated, right? So how many of you have heard of like Elliott Wave? I guess maybe I should ask how many of you have not heard of Elliott Wave, right? <laughs> it's one of the more popular systems of wave counting in the markets. And um, when I started looking at market waves, uh, I didn't really know much or anything about Elliott Wave. And to this day, I still don't use it. But a lot of how I trade and read trend movements has a lot of similarities. Um, so one of the things that I'm looking at in terms of trends development are what we call the impulse moves in the market. And let me go just back this up to our larger time frame here. So this is just our 60 minute on the NASDAQ. And so when we're talking about impulse waves versus like volatility, volatility is kind of like those catch-all words where, hey, if, if you're not able to have a good feel on what's coming next to you, you call it a volatile market, right? Well, a lot of it has to do with how strong are the impulse moves going to be? So when we had something coming out of January, we had a, a number of really decent impulse moves. We had good two waves of correction in here. And coming down, we've seen more volatility come into play. We've seen a lot more of that back and forth action really over the last two years or so. Um, so on our you know, weekly and monthly timeframes, we're at zones where volatility is due to increase, where we are basically looking at seeing the market widening up and getting some of the bigger swings coming into play. Um, this is something I've talked about for really a couple of years here. I'll put this up on a weekly and we'll come back to that um, here in a second. Let's just show you, you know, kind of so we can get a feel of where we are at as far as the trend goes. So when I'm looking at waves in the market, predominantly 
I'm looking at two wave moves because these are the ones that are most predictable in terms of coming into major support and resistance levels where we are looking at impulse waves of comparable sizes and comparable momentum. So momentum is, is a key word when we're looking at a trend because we're looking at the rate of change of that trend. So as we were coming into the latter part of the year last year, you can see that we started out with a pretty strong upside move ending 2020. And then we started to shift and the momentum on this began to change. So each of these moves is an impulse wave, but our entire move as well is a larger impulse move. So when we're looking at our potential over here today, what we're looking at are previous changes in the market where the market has put in a move with the same momentum and how far it's been able to go. So if we look at the move so far here this year, you'll notice that back in the middle of last year, we had a similar correction. We had that two wave impulse move to the downside. And then we had a correction around mid-year where this actually broke that downtrend channel there. And the time it took for this correction to take place was longer than what we saw here. So when we're looking at wave counting, what we need to see to have predictable wave counts are to have these impulse moves that also have very comparable size, but also the corrective periods between them. So when we're thinking of a primary impulse move and then a correction, what we're looking at is as it does a secondary move, does that have the same impulse as we saw on the first move? And then as it goes into another correction, how long does that correction take? So in order to get a third strong move coming out of this, what we would like to see is that if this is taking six months and six months, then having those comparable periods of time increase the probability of getting a third move that is going to be as strong as the first two. Now, when we look at that breakout itself, another thing that we have to look at for this trend development is, I'm gonna change colors here, and I'll show you some examples of this too. We look at this first impulse, well, the second impulse move here, and we're looking at the continuation. Then if we look at the point of where it's about 50%, of that previous impulse move, does it stall there or does it push into more of a 61.8% price extension? Can it make it a bit over that 50% level? If it does that, then the probability is, is very high that we're gonna make it to that 100% measured move. But in the meantime, we need to make sure our momentum is the same. So our rate of change is the same as those previous moves. But then we also need to make sure it's not getting stuck at or under that 50% extension. If it starts to get stuck there, then I wanna go into more advanced trade management. I want to protect more of my gains because the probability starts to increase that things are gonna shift. And there's different ways that that trend can shift. It could go into a simply a longer period of correction where it then continues and then this can 
form that same amount of time and put in a third move like that. So you end up with two and two and two. But that time development aspect is something that traders really tend to overlook when we're looking at a continuation move. So if I go and I pull up our intraday action here today and we look at, you know, what the trend development has been on our intraday class on our intraday sessions here, I'm going to grab my pen again. So on our move coming down here off of February 20th, come on pen, thank you. You'll notice that we've got this strong two wave impulse move here and it starts to correct again, but the correction time here takes longer than here. So as this is coming lower, in order to have a really nice definitive third wave move, I would typically want that to have the same amount of correction time. By taking a bit longer, it makes it harder to continue and we start to see momentum beginning to shift. So um, as this was forming here, actually, as we were heading into this low here that day, uh, what I told my traders was that I was expecting that this would create a to be reversal pattern where I was looking for a second wave down and then the possibility of the trend to reverse. But if the momentum didn't shift enough that we could continue to see this widening up before we got into the low end, this is the reversal that we timed as that was coming off of that low. And a lot of it had to do with the wave count, knowing that when this pulled up, it broke the trench channel. So it made it easier that if it tried to break um, soon after breaking that trend channel, that it would be more of a trap pattern. So when we're thinking of two waves down and we get that next correction, if it goes and it breaks out a little bit longer, now what I'm looking at in time development and trends development is how long this correction here takes compared to that downside move. So if we look at this downside move here and then we look at that correction, this is still shorter than the move over here. We have a pretty average, just slightly stronger than average momentum move on the downside. So in order to get a really rapid continuation, if this can't go with that shorter period of correction to get a third move down. What I wanna see is something that's going to at least double this entire downside move. So what that means is I don't want it to go with that shorter move. If it tries, it's more likely that it's gonna be a trap. So we have these, basically these do or die zones in the market where your probability is higher that you're going to get a strong impulse move or lower that you're going to get a strong impulse move. And a lot of them are very specific. Even the breakdown here came at a time development zone that allowed it to have that strong momentum on the downside. And actually this pattern here that we see on this 80,000 tick chart is one that we saw intraday in today's session as well this morning. It was a pattern that I call a 2T and it's basically just continuing the drop that we saw here today for the downside here. And if we look at the two waves of correction here, what we can see is that this channel here starts out slowly. We kind of get a shift here, it goes in here, 
So if we're looking at this in terms of wave development and momentum, we're starting out slowly, but then our upside is also shifting. So we're getting this change where we basically have a tilted uh, continuation. And where the timing comes into play is that this pivot high, if you look at a zone between two lows and you look at that extension here, we want that pivot tie to be after the 50% time extension. So in um, the pattern where we're looking at three waves of downside, basically it's like taking the distance between the start of this correction and the start of this correction. And then where are the pivot highs in here? We don't want to see a pivot high where it's like midway in that congestion and then ends up with lower highs. You want in that second correction to have a pivot high that's after 50%. And that's going to have a higher probability of getting a really good continuation. So in terms of trend development, if we think of it in simple terms, what we're really looking at is something where to get a nice three-wave trend move, Think of two waves of correction. These two waves of correction can also have two waves of correction. Each of these moves down can also have two waves. But if you think of this entire move as a two-wave correction, you're going to start to see a lot of different trends in the market because that same two waves here and here are just like here and here you're just starting to tilt things. So either case, you've got those two wave corrections in your trend. And with all of these in that second correction, if your pivot high is after that 50%, we usually look for 61.8%. So if you're looking between your lows and you're looking at your time extension, that high being in the later half or really the later third of that 100% time extension there, is higher probability for continuation, whether you're dealing with something that is tilted and you're looking at the high here, or if you're dealing with the three ways, waves and you're looking at the correction over here. So for me, trend development is a lot of this back and forth two wave movement. And when correction periods start to go longer or the momentum starts to change on each of those waves, that affects how I view the next move that's going to come. So when we were looking at the move here, we were looking at support over here, which is also the middle of a couple of corrections over here, but the fact that that had broken that channel. So when this pulled up here, you'll notice but if we transect that move with the lower high and then the lower low, our momentum is shifting here compared to here. But the time it is taking to shift is much shorter than that downside move. So that opened up the door for this to be able to put another move down and to create this widening pattern at the lows. And this is one of my favorite all-time reversal strategies. I call it a momentum reversal. And it, the way that we can really look at it and think of it is really anatomical because it starts up here with the hip, it has the knee, and then we're going into a foot. So you start with your ankle and then here's your foot and then you're looking at your toes or your boot. So that momentum reversal pattern looks like this. And what we're looking at 
is a zone where that shift is taking at least as long as that downside move to form. So if it's trying to break down here, well, that's too fast. It's more likely that a trap can happen here um, for those that are shorting as well as for a flush for those that are long. And so when it goes and it puts in a third low within a channel, we have a much higher probability of that going and giving us a really strong reversal. So in terms of a trend development pattern, this is one of my favorite reversal strategies. And we were able to time the target zone in here because of looking at the wave count of the rally itself. And I'll drop down and, and show you guys that. And again, any questions you guys have, definitely post them in the channel there. So here's what I was looking at on our, our intraday. This is where um, we were trading the reversals actually right in here uh, and there. So what we had was that in this move here, we get that channel break. And so this momentum was uh, stronger than we saw with a lot of um, the overall downside. So you get that kind of stronger pop up there. If it had been a little bit weaker, but still broke it, we would have had a better chance to do a flush and then a reversal. And so as this was um, coming up here, by having that stronger momentum as it was pushing through that channel zone initially, and then going into a base, this creates a really strong reversal pattern called a phoenix. And what I was looking at then for target levels is look at the correction periods that we're having in here. So we had an initial rally, secondary rally, third rally, each of them about the same momentum and taking about the same time and the correction times were very comparable. So that told me that, hey, you know what? We're getting close to trend exhaustion. Now, since this is um, substantially stronger than an average move, what we usually expect to happen is that momentum is going to begin to shift at that point. And we start to see volatility coming into play. I often call it a widening up zone, looking for greater back and forth action really is what we're looking at. Um, and you can see that even if we're connecting our highs, there starts to be that shift that is taking place where this pulled back a little bit further, kind of tapped that lower channel there a little bit, came back up, based, did a break, did like that measured move, and then we started to get a reversal. But the trend exhaustion really starts to begin right here. Um, in order to look for reversal patterns, though, we need to see shifting momentum on smaller time frames. So even though this can point to that trend exhaustion, it's not necessarily going to be the exact point that you're going to get a reversal happening. You have to drop down to the smaller time frames to look for those reversal strategies. But uh, that's the core of what I do when I'm looking at um, trend development and looking at different target levels that I'm going for. So for example, here today, uh, we were looking at the short side on things and anticipating that we were going to see further downside on the larger timeframes. We had had one zone of correction here. So what I was looking at was a secondary zone of correction here. But if we compare it to our 
upside move, you'll notice that our entire trend has a more gradual channel to it so far. So what that means for the bears is that it's not as easy for us to get the continuation moves without more of that chop, because even as it tries to break down, it's still dealing with the fact that this was substantially stronger than average coming off of that low. So these zones of support here where they kind of congested before, those are levels that we can look for for reactions now. This level right here is way back at that hip zone. On our move up, we don't really have much of a foot. This is where your foot would start to form. Um, but in this case, we're really pointed. This could have just as easily started to go like this at that point so that we could have started to have, got, to have gotten a, a lot more of that kind of back and forth starting to happen because of that measured move zone in there with each of these three waves. So in terms of, you know, how does this play into where we can expect stronger impulse moves to come in? What I need to see again is something that's going to shift momentum on that larger time frame where we really start to get a pattern forming here. And if we look at our entire upside move here, is the leg. Here's that foot zone where we started to get the momentum shifting again down in here. You can see this over and over again where that shift happens. And the longer it takes for that foot to form, the stronger the reversal tends to be. So when it tried to form right here, it had a really hard time getting the reversal. But when it continued and went out longer, that allowed for the momentum to pick up on the downside. So if we look at our movement up here, these are our three waves with our two zones of congestion. I know it's a little bit messy in this, but this is what that looks like. So here's our leg, here's our hip. This would be your kneecap zone where it's basically just halfway in that upside move. And this is where your foot can start or your widening up zone can start. And so this could have formed something like that up here too. This is the perfect area for something like that to begin. And when you have a pattern like that, it's easier to get the momentum breaking down a lot more quickly. So it allows that momentum to roll over because it's flushed everybody out at those previous highs here. And that's going to have the highest probability for a reversal setup. That doesn't mean that we're not going to see smaller reversals, but you have to be more aggressive at looking at target levels. So you have to look for smaller measured moves, tighter levels of support. Here's um, that little 2T in here again. So this is uh, one of those short patterns there. And then here is that foot again, but we're mid range in this bigger zone of volatility here. And that means that with each of these strong impulse moves back and forth, it's going to become more and more probable that the next correction has a much harder time putting in a strong impulse move. So as we're going over like the next couple of days here, for example, it's going to be more difficult to get those really strong impulse moves coming into play until we see another shift in momentum. So that might mean something like a widening up here where we get a megaphone 
that can try to bring the momentum down again like that because it creates more of a time correction. It could mean something where it comes up and creates that bigger foot on the larger time frame so that that can create a stronger reversal. But we need that bigger shift right now and we just don't have it. Um, one question was when I see this pattern forming, what do I, how do I enter a trade? Um, what do I use as like my catalyst for taking a trade? And for that, if we look at, I'll just drop down and I'll show you uh, intraday today, for example. So here's the main trade I took this morning. And if you look at this, it, it looks a lot like that widening up zone that we're seeing on the 80,000 tick chart, right? We're getting a lot of that same kind of back and forth action here. And in this case, instead of kind of shifting and going into that, like what we saw on the 80,000 tick chart, we actually saw this creating that longer kind of foot zone to it created this 2t pattern here where we're getting a, a test of highs that's slightly under the previous high and then it's going to new new highs in here but it's creating a slower channel so you've got your lower high and your lower low here and that's changing that channel so this is creating that strong short pattern now, when I enter something like this, what I do is, and I don't, I'm going to put this on sim here. I don't know if it's going to let me do anything with the time. Let's see. Yep. Okay. So what I would do is I got to find out where we're at right now. We're down here. Well, that's going to be hard. <laughs> so what I would normally do is though I, I would um, click on here and instead what we would have would be a sell stop market so if your price is over that it's going to have a sell stop market and so what i would do is and this is what i did here today is as my zones are breaking i usually will put the sell stop market like down here and then i slide it up so since we're at that zone let me see if it'll let me do it here on this the sim here Pull this over. So let's say I wanted to take this on the short side here and I'm looking for the smaller channel to break. So what that would mean is that I would go in here and I would click on sell stop market at that level. So as it breaks through that level of support, that's gonna fill me. That's what I use on most of these type of strategies. This is actually a little bit of a 2T in there too, but it's coming off of a more rounded low. So see, here's your leg, here's that foot. But if we look at where the foot is compared to the overall leg, it is too short. So in this case, it makes up for it for, by creating more of this kind of inverse head and shoulders here before it, it tries to pull up. Um, in something that's going into a normal 2T reversal, like what we saw earlier, it's better if this has like, a stronger low where it doesn't round. So it just goes into your slower channel like this. And it doesn't have that rounding off at the low point. If it rounds off, it can be easier for it to go and, and gain momentum. There's going to be certain patterns I call um, a chevron that actually will continue on the downside when it rounds, but it's, it's a more advanced strategy. So what we're usually looking at is if we've got a really strong leg, and here's your shift again, kind of a really um, small 
foot in here that's very pointed. If it's starting to round like that, we want to use a lot more caution on looking at something that's going to be on the downside. So we were looking at this off of highs to short this afternoon. Ideally, this would go and it would have a more solid low and then go like that and then you know flush the highs. And then I would use that sell stop market. And I use an OCO order or um, an ATM order so that what happens is that as it uh, puts my trade on, it's also putting on my stop levels. So if I go and I look through my list, my, my trading um, computer has a lot more uh, scenarios. I can go and I can choose, hey, which, which ATM strategy do I want to use? So if I click on you know, like uh, the three, 30, 40, 50, that means that I've got three contracts, my stop is 30 ticks, and then these are the target levels that I'm looking at. So 40, 50, and 100 market if touched, so that if it hits that zone, it's going to just get me out even if it trades once at that target level. Um, that's the preferred way that I will put a trade on, and then I can go and I can move those levels once the trade is already initiated. So if we went and we put that short order on, you could see that it goes and it puts different target levels. So I can go and on my trading platform, my stops are pretty much always as one order, um, but I can go and manipulate my target orders to where I would be looking for support levels. And on a particular strategy like this, usually I'm going to be looking for the zone right over here, basically where that hip started. Um, those were some of the, the trades that I had or the, some of the questions that I had here today. What are some of the questions that you have when it comes to trading that you would like more information on? I guess here's a question um, that I have for you guys. How many of you are, I guess, what time frame are you trading on? Are you trading on a, an intraday? trade? Are you looking mostly for scalps? Are you swing traders, position traders? What are your favorite time frames to be trading on? Swing? Is that in stocks or do you look at other markets? Swing and position trading? Yeah, that's how I got started. So that's like my roots as a trader. You know, one of my favorite um, strategies as a swing trader is to look at opening gaps. So I like to look at trap patterns for gaps. And uh, one of the things that I wanna see, I'm not sure what we had for gaps here today, but let me just kind of make a drawing as like a hypothetical. So if you've got something, you know, where we've been getting like those kind of two waves of, of correction here, and we've got that kind of slower movement compared to here, I like looking at a lot of strategies that are gapping out of this. And some of the things that I look for in order to have the strongest continuation for a swing trade, um, first of all, the size of that gap. So what I ideally want is something that is not gapping more than twice an average day's range. So if your average day's range is 50 points, then I want something that's going to be gapping less than 100 points. Because what that's going to do is that's going to leave me usually a lot more potential for that to follow through. So it's not just going to be, hey, that day shoots higher and most of the gain is either in the gap itself 
or it takes place in that first 15 to 45 minutes of the day where it's just kind of flying. And for new traders, that can be really kind of scary, especially if it ends up going against you. Um, when it opens, what if this is my opening bar, for example, um, what I want to see here will be my close from like the previous time. If this is my opening bar, depending on the security, a lot of times I'll drop down and I'll use the tick charts instead of a time frame chart. So instead of like a one second or a two second or a five second chart, I'm going to be looking at the tick charts because I want to be able to see the swings back and forth when that security opened that day. And if it's only showing it on like a second time frame, I can't see what that initial back and forth action is. So if this is the first three to four minutes of the day, I ideally want something that is going to be trying to form a bullish continuation within those first four to five minutes of the day. That's usually the first zone that I'll look for a setup. So it might have ran and gone into a base or it might have opened, had like a two-way correction and then broke that channel to the upside. Those are a couple of, of ways that I'll do, I'll look for it. Um, in that first four to five minutes of the day, in order to get like a breakout for a continuation, I ideally would like to see something that is holding in the upper half of that, fir that first like five minute time frame. And those tend to be pretty good for uh, an initial type of continuation. And if it can't hold that and it goes in and it's trying to pull in and close the gap, well, one of the ways that we can get a decent continuation for something that's coming in and wanting to close that gap is watch for that two wave move. But then if that momentum is stronger than average, look for things where it, it breaks that channel and then starts to shift that momentum. So it creates like those traps that are slightly lower. And that's a really good way to get things uh, to turn around. Um, one good security an oldie for this, um, it's just one that happens to come to mind, is um, Facebook. When it first started open um, for trading, let me pull that up. And I don't, I did something funky on my, <laughs> uh, on my, um, I don't use this for trading, trading view here. I did something funky and it's showing two charts on here. But if we go back and we look at Facebook, aka Meta now, back at where it, was originally trading. Let me see weekly chart up there. It's the lower chart there. What you had, so we're looking at the candlestick charts, was that two wave drop. And then it shifted that momentum where it broke that channel. And then it went into the base. This is what we call that Phoenix. So if you have that open here, and this is like where your previous gap closure zone is. We see this a lot on IPOs. Um, what we look for, again, is something where it does that two waves, break the channel. And if this upside move is average to faster than average, then we can get a pattern that goes like that, which we call a phoenix. Um, if it's slower than average, there's the risk that this can go and do that kind of extra flush before you get a reversal. Your strongest pattern is what happens here, where this upside 
is slower than the downside, but then it goes and does a two way correction this way. So you basically have a shift in momentum that is going like that because that pattern is most likely to break higher. And with your time development, you'd be looking at each of these taking that about that same amount of time. And that would lead to the strongest upside move. So that's very much what we had happening there on Facebook. I also now known as Meta. <laughs> it's like Google. I, I still can't call it Alphabet. <laughs> but that slower shift down there, that is one of the strongest swing trade and position trading setups uh, that we can look for. So those are a couple things that I like to do um, for the swing trade strategies. Another thing to look at for swing trades are those securities that have a, a lot of support in here and they've come up and we're seeing this in course a lot of markets come back quickly start to slow a second wave then start to have a third wave where each of these has that shifting momentum and again the correction times are crucial they need to be that same amount of time and then what happens over here so if this is our stronger move this is our weaker move here's our weaker move we often get this pop but then we get a flush and that is a very strong swing trade setup and position trade setup as well so you guys are going to see that forming on a lot of uh, daily charts and weekly charts uh, as we come into different primary lows in the market what other markets are you guys interested in we've got bob intraday futures so here's one that you can use on on intraday in the futures markets when we have a trend move to the downside and we're getting a reversal if you take a fibonacci retracement level from your high to your low if we have a trend that is continuing pretty steadily with shorter corrections than what we saw over here and an overall faster momentum move if you put your fib levels on there your 76.4 percent retracement is almost always going to bring it down to the 61.8% and often back down to the 50% before it tries to continue again. So that's actually a really good zone that you can look for little scalps or if you're long on a larger position, this is a good zone to put a hedge on. And it's very crucial that this trend is a steady one where the corrections are not longer than we see on the downside. So if this went and it went into a range down here and then popped up, there's not as much of a probability of getting those reversals off that 76.4. It might make it down to 61.8, but it's harder to make it to 50%. So um, the stronger move there, that's a good one. Um, another one that is a favorite of mine is when we've got that trend exhaustion coming in and you're starting to get those three waves if this goes in and it does that base there so that base is a really great reversal pattern that's a confirmation pattern so it's a little less scary than taking it off of that third low oil i actually have a chart up of oil in the background hold on we'll go pull that up i just got to find it it's hiding <laughs> Gold, <laughs> there's gold. We can actually come back to gold too. Been trading gold a lot lately. Are you at 
There we go. Here's micro on oil. We were talking about this um, over noon today, actually, for continuations on the downside because we had seen this little two-way correction here. It broke down and then it was basing. So what we were looking at was the possibility of this doing a second move down, but it's still within that channel. So in a lot of cases, this is going to try to create a reversal pattern, but it's higher probability if it does that after it punctures that channel. So we kept uh, more of a bearish bias because it was still within that um, trading channel on the downside. It didn't have that little flush out that kind of helps you give you better um, probability. It doesn't mean that a setup, you know, off of a low like that can't just take off, but if it's broken the channel first and then forms that setup, so here would be the smaller version. So if it did that with a bigger version, there's just a greater probability of getting a stronger move with less resistance. Because if this comes up, it's going to be dealing with the resistance levels from that channel. Um, and it's gonna make it harder to get that kind of rounding coming off of the low to get that really strong uh, turnaround. Oil's been having a tough time on our larger time frames. Let me show you our daily here. So this pretty much encompasses that entire upside move here. Um, sorry, I don't have my dates on here. Let me, I do a lot of trading and teaching where I'm focusing upon the um, patterns themselves. And a lot of times I don't look at my prices when I'm trading because I want to focus upon what the charts are telling me and not get wrapped up in what the gains or losses are. But if we look at our entire upside move, and this again started pretty close to over here, and then we look at how much we've corrected so far, this really isn't much. So we're really in that bigger widening up zone on the daily time frame, which does mean an increase in volatility. Now, one of the things that I was looking at as a possible pattern here, here again, you had that, you know, kind of smaller shift here, but it was the start of a, a new downtrend. So we have that kind of Chevron formation. But if you look at this, it was starting to base here. Now, a lot of times what this means is that I'm going to be looking for short. But if we look at where that pivot high hit, in terms of our time extension, it's right at that midway point. Do you guys remember what I said earlier? Where's my probability gonna be the highest for that to give me a strong impulse move on the downside? Who remembers? I put like the Jeopardy theme song here. Scott knows. <laughs> Scott, you wanna tell him? I know Scott knows. <laughs> yep, 61.8. So if we took a time extension and I'll actually just put it on here. So as far as indicators go, I'll use Fibonacci, but that's about it. So what we want to see is that pivot high, you would want that ideally exactly at or after that 61.8. And in this case, it was really kind of, actually, I don't have it quite hooked up to the absolute low there, but it was right before it. Oops, <laughs> went a little crazy there. So it hits it right at about 50%. So the blue line is my 61.8%. So what I would have wanted to have seen in order to look more strongly on that downside would have been if it had that second high at or after that 61.8, then I would have had a better chance of this getting a stronger move down. Now I still would have ran into all of the support over here, 
the lower end of this channel, but it could have had a much smoother move in order to be able to get there. So we also have to look at, hey, how long are we starting to shift here? If we go from that second high, yeah, we've shifted a little bit longer now, but at this point we hadn't. So even just looking at that first initial drop and then the secondary drop, that's very hard to get that to go and offer any strong continuation at that point. You would want this to at least double out. Um, and then if you look at that absolute high there, that could have gone out to even over here. And with the stronger momentum here, where it's very similar to that upside move, this is really only the first wave in a correction. So we do have room for that to do a second correction, but compared to that entire upside move, this is substantially stronger than average. So in order to go on the, on the upside again, what we would wanna see is basically doubling out of this upside move. If it held in the upper quarter, we could get more of the one-to-one. -one. So like if this rallied for six months and it based in the upper quarter for six months, it could easily rally again for six months. But once it pulls back a third or more, we don't have that probability of that happening anymore. So if it's six up, six across, we can easily get six up again and put in a measured move here to here. Again, it has to make it to that 61.8% to confirm. So if it makes it up to here and it starts to pause for any period that's longer than the pause here, let's say it pauses in the middle of this for five bars. So we don't want it to, to pause for five bars or more than five bars until it's made it past that 50% extension. So if it gets stuck at that 50% or less, then the probability of making it to that 100% is less and that tells me we got to be more aggressive on that management there so on oil i'm really just looking at playing the smaller back and forth moves i did play the short here but i i didn't even make quite as much on it i was just using predominantly that previous break zone as a target level so just looking for tighter gains than i would have if this had a pivot over here because then I would have looked for the measured move here to here down and use that as my target. What other questions do you guys have? I can pull up that gold. Where is the SPY going to be at the end of the week? Actually, on Fridays, you guys, I have a free session. It's called Forward Focus and it's a mix of education as well as market analysis for larger timeframes. So we focus heavily upon what we're expecting over the next uh, couple days to couple weeks. Let me pull up that 60 minute. We're in that widening up zone on, come on, my mouse is being tricky here. There we go. So what I'm expecting is that since we've got this where it has that slower move down and it popped, but really, it's still trying to do the downside. I'm still looking at the possibility that this can go out into more of a range, basically doubling what we have here and then try to break down again. That is what I'm looking at right now, that we actually go into more of a chop zone for a couple of weeks and then another breakdown. That's what I think is the most likely to happen. 
at this point. Um, what I'm going to be looking at are the shifts of momentum in here. So I think that our risk is going to be pretty high for swing trades over the next, you know, really until we're getting into around the 20th or so. And after that point, we have a better chance that we can get stronger momentum because by then, compared to where our main downside is and then where our momentum started to shift, we'll be a lot past that one-to-one -one ratio. So we really want that to go closer to two to get a stronger impulse move coming in. Um, let me pull this to our daily. So on the daily, here is that 2B pattern, but it was really steep. It had the same momentum into it. So you can see it broke the channel, then it had the 2B, and it couldn't get up enough to put in another movement to create that bigger foot. So what it's doing now is it's trying to get that shift happening. So in order for the bulls to come into play, we're looking at this as a double bottom and I'm looking at my time extension like this. This is another do or die point in the market. So if we're looking at it for trying to continue on the downside, one of the first places that that could have happened was when it came off of a high in here. But that high was again too early. And then when it did the high over here, you're kind of going past that one-to-one. -one. It went and gains that momentum into it. And usually in order to break down, this second move is going to be the same speed as the first. So one and two or slower. And that's going to have a stronger move down. When it's faster, then for the reversal, what I want to see is a very smooth move continuing all the way. So I want to see that not chopping around, not slowing momentum up here like this is doing. So because of the slowdown here, that makes it harder to bust these previous lows now. So if we were looking at that smaller time frame and looking at that to double out, that would take that over to here, which could give us that breakdown here, but it's not good timing for a bigger continuation because it's going to st still continue to shift on this chart here. And so that opens up the door for maybe we can get phoenixes, but because this is so strong, I would expect weaker movement out of it. So more likely that if this comes up, has that two-way breakdown, like it looks like is possible in that 60 minute, that trying to break higher here, a lot of times this is a really strong reversal pattern, but when this is sharp, and it's in the upper areas of a trend, which we had that huge trend exhaustion on the weekly charts, it makes it harder to be able to sustain an upside move. And even in the cases that it does have a larger pop, it usually only makes it up to about here before it would go again. So if this was your upside move, this was the downside move here. We got that to be there and it came up and it managed to pop it's harder for it to break that breakdown zone. And it's easier to get a shift like that where we would get further selling coming into play. So overall, even though we've had, you know, good strength earlier, you know, I don't think it's going to have an easy time to sustain it. I think we're going to go into more choppiness and it's easier for it to break down. I am going to show you guys a slide here. And then if you have 
other questions, just definitely ask. And this is just for a course that is for all of my favorite strategies. And so this is an eight hour course and it goes through all of those strategies from the 2T to the 2B, the building blocks that I look at, like the trend development, like the momentum, like the time development that go into every strategy. And it basically takes you through an entire trend from the initial reversal periods to the continuation strategies within that trend. And it gives step-by-step -step templates on what to look for. So you basically have a checklist on, hey, I want this to happen, then this, then this. And I can look at the target levels and look at the things where, hey, if this isn't following through fast enough, how can I shift my trade management on it? Um, really, those do or die points are very crucial, you guys. You want something to set up in at a certain period of time, and it needs to confirm in that, in that certain period of time. Otherwise, it changes the probability on what's going to happen next. And that's really what we're looking at when we're looking at strategies in terms of market analysis. A lot of folks will say, oh, well, Anybody can say, hey, this is a head and shoulders, but most of them don't work given the criteria they give. Well, the criteria I give for something like that is very specific. And if it doesn't go by a certain time, here's how you manage the trade so that you are not taking those full stops. And in many cases are actually walking away with a small gain, even in something that doesn't ultimately pan out as you're originally expecting. So lots of templates out there. I showed you, you know, a glimpse of some of them, obviously in a very condensed format, but that is a wonderful course. It is only 197 and it is eight hours. And then just send me an email, you guys, and I'll be happy to give you a trial for League of Traders where we follow this stuff live and I teach using uh, the markets as they're unfolding. So a lot of times we get trades that are triggering or you get the outlook for the afternoon or the next couple of days. Um, and that is at noon every single day, Eastern, noon to one, well, noon to 1245 Eastern, but I go over a lot. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for joining. Let me pull up. I can pull up that Netflix. Hold on one second. And gold too. I just got to figure out why my trading view is showing two charts at once. I don't use this much except for. Oh, uh, yeah. hey Tony, I can I can tell you how to turn those off. Okay, great. Where, um, how to, where do I do that? <laughs> in okay, in the upper left corner. Uh huh. Um, right, uh, right below vol. Um, it shows the two things right there. Just yeah. click on the um, either the X or the eye eyeball symbol. Yeah. Yeah. The just, yeah. Both there we go. Awesome. Thank you. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't use this for trading guys. I only use it like once a week. So definitely not a trading view connoisseur or expert, I guess. <laughs> um, let me pull up Netflix for you. So what we're looking at here is, is this an, um, for Danny, is it an online course? It is, um, but there's no um, expiration date. So you can go back and restudy it however many times you want to. So um, what we were looking at on Netflix is originally this zone for our 
um, original target on this. And what you'll notice happened is that as it came into the support here, we started to get a little bit of that shift happening. So as it was pulling up, when we get something that comes up more than a third of that um, main downtrend move, it's a lot harder to get continuations back. So I am concerned in the point that we have exhaustion here on the upside on the weekly time frame, but it's going to be a lot harder to make it to that target level that I was looking at. So we could do it still if it did a two-wave shift like that. And then that would bring in another chance for our position traders to try to come in. I would still, in order to have a strong reversal, like to see it do another test though, where you get like that double tap, that would be a stronger level to get a, a better bounce off of. So my concern at this point is, yeah, it's, it's harder to break down now because of um, pulling up more than a third of that drop without a real decent pause, but we're still seeing trend exhaustion. You've got the main two legs up and then the market shifted. So we have our foot here and it's coming into the lower end of this zone of congestion. And what I usually like to see for it to be able to continue would be that as it rallies, when it comes into what we call the kneecap, I want it to pull up through the kneecap at least to the upper end of the kneecap. And then you're more likely to see patterns that would offer continuations. So I pulled up a third, which is usually more bullish, but it did it with slower momentum and it started to shift momentum at the lower end of that congestion. So those are actually suggesting that this is gonna pull lower over the next couple of weeks, but I'll drop down to the smaller time frame. My guess is intraday, the trigger already was decent with the foot. So this reversal pattern is called a momentum reversal plus. You get your two waves up. You see that three wave shift here, but with the three waves, in order to reverse strongly off of that, I don't want it doing a pennant. So by pulling in and then having another two waves up, this creates a plus. So you end up with one, two, three plus. That is a primary reversal strategy. So what I would look for next would be continuation patterns uh, within this. And ideally we want this momentum to stay strong. So what I would look for would be shorter corrections that can keep that momentum going so that we could get um, that bigger drop. This zone here is gonna be a primary level of support. So if we could get you know three waves into there, maybe two wave correction. That's one way that this could easily end up playing out here. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, you have that small lush right here too. Um, Amazon, I haven't forgotten about gold. So there's your two waves and then your smaller to be here. And you can actually see very similar situation where here's your kneecap, here's the two waves, and it had the smaller to be right here. So it did that kind of double tap and it came up and it is at that lower end. So that holds it down and it makes it more difficult to fully reverse. So this suggests this is going to do more back and forth um, as opposed to just being able to come back up and retrace quickly. It's going to be easier for this to chop around and even chop lower at this point. Let me pull that up on the weekly. So here's your support 
level. This is a checkmark continuation. It's a very popular continuation. If you're looking at your time development, look at that spacing. That is the exact spacing that you want to see when you see something that goes like this. If it goes earlier, it's more likely to be a 2T. If it comes over, it's more likely to have a stronger continuation. So where that breaks out there, really important, you guys. Here's the 2T up here and then the double tap. So this is kind of what I think can happen on Netflix on the bottom just on a, a bigger scale and flip it over. So here, the momentum coming into our support is very, very strong. We kind of got stuck at the upper end of the channel. Now we've come down to the lower end of this channel, which means that we need to watch this really closely because if this takes about that same amount of time, this can break down and come all the way into this level here but it needs to go with about that that's earlier momentum so that the midway zone of this whole correction is ideally closer to the midway of this congestion right here right now i think that there is room for that to, to move more quickly to the downside but not quite as far as that yet i think that it's going to try to do it a little bit more choppier as it comes down so i think that something like this is going to be more probable and i still wouldn't trust this as a buy here um i think you're going to go into more kind of widening up kind of chopping around in there so i think there's a that we have a little bit more room to the downside and then kind of going into more of a range and i would look for smaller time frame setups like a smaller to be reversal or a smaller phoenix right in here that would look like this just as like little swing trades to get you're going to get like bottom fisher type of movements that can have some pretty nice pops, but I wouldn't trust it for a position trade. And let me pull up gold and then I'll hand it back over to David. Yeah, that link for the course is tonyhansoncom slash strategies. And these are the top strategies that I've developed over the last 25 years, you guys. And pretty much every single trade I take now is some variation of the strategies that are in this course. There's more advanced versions of some of them. These start with the core patterns and I do show you some advanced stuff, but um, it's every single trade I take now is some version of one of those strategies. And I'm actually gonna close that screen there so I can find my gold. I know it's, oh, there it is. Back this up here. So here is an example of how we had that stronger momentum. We had kind of the bigger correction here. It went to that slightly lower low. So we get that 2B and it tried to pull up, but because this momentum was still so strong here, it didn't shift to allow for a full trade reversal. So it's keeping things in this um, bigger range here on the daily time frame, And that's what we run into on some of those other markets that we were looking at too, where, yeah, and they came down, they had what is typically a reversal strategy, but, but the momentum on that is still too strong. So when we have that reversal strategy that is A to B, what we look for is something where here's your first move, here's your second move, there's some sort of shift here, or it's breaking out of that downtrend channel, and it's doing so where it's creating a rounding off at the low. And again, how long 
that takes to develop is very important too. So if this can develop out at least one-to-one -one and up to two-to-one, it's going to be stronger in terms of reversing. Um, this is something I've been trading on predominantly on the short side. And I'll grab the daily. And actually, you can still see my uh, fans that I had on here. So I've been focused on this primarily um, looking for downside movement. So here's another example. See where we have that 2B. It goes to the slightly higher low, then it goes to the lower low, but it's still in the channel. So when it popped, it was still able to flush, which is what it is doing on the zone over here too. Hold on one second, I'm gonna grab a sip of water quick. Now, if we look at how long we've corrected, and this is the start of that trend there, you'll notice that again, our timing of our correction so far is, is shorter than that downside move. So it's very hard to get a, a really good continuation. Even in cases where this tries to continue and it goes to a lower low, it's usually a trap, and then it pulls back into the range. What I'm looking at now, is that midway point. And as it's coming into it, it's kind of slowing, which is taking the pressure off of the bear. So this is gonna make it a little bit easier to not break that previous low zone. You'll notice that that'll be right around a measured move too. So I, I do think that we could make it down into that zone fairly easily still, even though it kind of started to shift, um, but making it past there is harder. Now, if this had come in, more strongly to that lower half of this congestion, then we would have a better chance that it can break that previous low. And we would get, again, more widening up. I would like to see like a double tap in order to have a really strong reversal because we're still dealing with really rapid back and forth moves, but it, it would make it easier to get um, the lower low first. So right now, you know, just playing within this range and not getting too excited for a strong impulse move on the weekly time frame. not expecting that this is going to break out of that weekly range really easily here. All right, David, well, thank you for having me here today. And uh, I hope to see some of you folks over in Forward Focus. Uh, my website is just TonyHanson.com. So if you spell my name correctly, you can help me down. and. Um, yeah. Thanks, everyone.